The sounds of chattering fauna and insects echo in the dark, dense jungle floor. Clouds of smoke block almost all the light from above the trees. Barely visible, we see a stone archway surrounded by stone walls and trees. Elaborate carvings of moons, hawks, and jungle vegetation decorate the arch. As we move closer to examine the archway, all of the sounds of the jungle begin to grow eerily quiet. A swift zap of light appears and then disappears in the center of the arch. Soon, another one quickly comes, and then another. The sound of crackling electricity begins to emanate from the stone arch as a swirling mist begins to form from the center. As the mist envelops the sides of the archways, we begin to see two bright flames appear in the mist. The flames shift into two glaring eyes and the face of a giant dragon bathed in flames begins to form. It begins to move toward us, manifesting from the portal. It opens its large maw and produces a column of flame. The jungle is no more. All we can see is fire. And in that fire, words begin to form. Age of ashes. The words crumble to ashes and are blown away as the scene fades to black. Our story begins in a small, quiet town nestled in the foothills of the Five Kings Mountains in eastern Isker, a town known as Breachill, named so after the traveling wizard, Lord Lamon Breachton, who saved an outpost of amnesiac human settlers from freezing one particularly nasty winter. And nearly 170 winters since, that outpost has grown into a fully-fledged homely village with a, compu- a community of friendly craftsmen and merchants who, it is said, still praise their town savior as though he were a deity. The folk of Breachill are hardy and self-proficient, but who also like to play as hard as they work, which is why they have a tavern on almost every one of their streets. In Breachill, all are welcome especially those who would call themselves adventurers. Due to its location, Breachill has been a place where travelers of all kinds would stop and share a meal and a story. And it wasn't long before the town decided to hire these nomads through the call of heroes. A town hall meeting to hire aid for important tasks and the interests of the citizens that didn't necessarily require the town guard. It is this call of heroes 
in the autumn of the year 4719, in the age of lost omens, that our story begins. This year, the winds bring something new to the town of Breachill, as if the air had a scent of smoke from a long-forgotten fire. Four strangers now make their way through the streets, not knowing what lies for them on their paths for redemption and vengeance. We find these strangers now at the Wizard's Grace, a tavern favored by those adventurers seeking the call of heroes. Here, we see a relatively full tavern of Breach Hill citizens and various travelers sharing drinks and meals and tales. But away from these cheery villagers, in the corner, we see a lone goblin on a short stool, tinkering with a small device. The goblin looks through his goggles at the object in his green fingers, though they are now mostly black from grease and oil. But as we take a closer look, we realize this is more than a device, but a bomb. As the goblin's hands carefully fidget with the explosive, the scene around him changes from a crowded tavern to a small goblin hut. As the goblin works, an older goblin enters the hut. He gives the tinkerer a disapproving glare. Frizzigig. Frizzigig continues to work, unaware of the goblin. The older goblin marches over and rips the bomb out of Frizzigig's hand. How many times do I have to tell you? These things hurt people. Frizzigig stares down at the work table. His green knuckles turn white as he grips his crafting tool. You got so much smarts in that noggin of yours, more than anyone in Gingash. But why you gotta use it for these damn things? We Bumblebrashes use our smarts to help folks now. Like your sister, she's always fixing people, and she makes some copper while she's doing it. Frizzigig continues to avoid looking at his father. His father sighs. I don't want you messing with these no more. Frizzigig's father takes the bomb and marches out of the hut. Frizzigig lets go of the tool in his hand and reaches into his pocket. He pulls out another alchemical bomb, but before he can begin working on it, he hears a large commotion outside the tent and then a scream. Treasel. Frizzigig slips the bomb back into his pocket and rushes out of the hut. In the center of the small goblin village stands a cabal of bloody orcs, and one of them is holding, holding Treasel. The orc palms Frizzigig's sister's head, and with his other hand holds a knife to her throat. Listen up, gobs. You didn't see any of us, you hear? We're, he we're gonna take this here girl, and if you're quiet, maybe you'll get her back. The tribe breaks into an uproar, half of them weeping, begging for them to let Treasel go, while the others hurl insults and curse the orcs' ancestors. Frizzigig surveys the scene, hidden by a rock behind the orcs. He quickly whips out a bomb and pulls back his arm to throw it at his sister's captors. He slowly lowers his arm, realizing that Treasel would be at risk too. Frizzigig frantically racks his brain for something he could do, but before he can act, an orc shouts, Captain, they're... 
An arrow protrudes from the orc's throat, and he falls to the feet of the orc holding Treasel. The orc captain throws Treasel at the, at the crowd of goblins and draws his falchion. To arms! The orcs draw their weapons as a group of four adventurers charge into the goblin village. Frizzigig's eyes gleam at the sight of his heroes. A dwarven man snaps an orc's kneecap and then his skull with his dark wooden great club. A half-elf woman fires off arrows while her hawk attacks those trying to flee. And a halfling woman plays an inspiring battle song on her ornate flute. And finally, a human man begins to duel the orc chief with his polished longsword and shield. Frizzigig begins to shed tears of relief as his town's oppressors are cut down. He looks to his father, gathered near a hut with his mother and some other bumblebrasher goblins, but they don't seem to share Frizzigig's enthusiasm. Suddenly, an arrow appears in his mother's chest. Frizzigig turns in horror and sees the heroes are starting to attack the orcs and goblins alike. The human knight pulls his sword out of the dead orc captain's chest. Slay them all! We can't let any of them escape for reinforcements. Frizzigig watches in horror as the village saviors begin to turn on his own kinsmen. In a blind fury, Frizzigig charges the battlefield. He reaches into his pockets and empties them of all of the bombs he's created. Bomb after bomb hits each of the adventurers. Each hero is soon engulfed in flames and sparks. But as Frizzigig hurls a firebomb at the knight, he quickly bats it away with his shield. Frizzigig watches in shock as his bomb sails through the air towards a merchant's wagon. Time moves slowly as Frizzigig watches his bomb roll under the wagon into the hiding place of Treasel. Frizzigig watches as his sister's expression changes from confusion to fear. The wagon erupts into a column of flame. The knight yells to his party, Fall back! We cannot withstand this horde! The heroes flee from the village, and soon the goblins come out of hiding and find themselves saved. They gather the wounded and begin to cheer for the savior. But Frizzigig hears none of this. He reaches what's left of the wagon and begins searching for his sister. Frizzigig searches frantically through the ashes and splinters, but Treasel is nowhere to be found. Frizzigig's father approaches the distraught goblin. Frizzigig, you did it. You saved us. But your mother, she's, she's recovering. Don't worry. We're so proud. What's, what's wrong, son? Where's Treasel? Frizzigig, where's your sister? Frizzigig's empty eyes stare down at the ashes in front of him. The scene around him changes from the goblin village and back to the crowded tavern. Frizzigig pulls his goggles back on and begins to work once more. Whew, okay, I'm going to take a break for a second. <laughs> Holy shit! I was like, are we Damn, allowed to react? What can we react? That, <laughs> Holy, that was crazy. so good. So good. That's Frizzigig. What a nightmare. Frizzigig is not the only one working in solace in this tavern. 
we turn to a table nearby where we see a middle-aged half-orc man is about to begin writing a letter. He wears expensive fabrics from the capital and writes with a fine ink and quill set as we watch him wet his quill and begin writing. The tavern scene around him shifts to a dark office lit only by a lone candle on his desk. He signs a lengthy letter, Master Urkel Thaddeus Short. Urkel stares at the letter he has just penned. A bead of sweat rolls down his wrinkled brow, his eyes quickly darting from right to left as he reviews his writing. He folds the letter and holds it to a candle. The parchment ignites and quickly becomes a small pile of ash on his desk. Frustrated, Urkel throws open his desk drawer and reaches for another piece of parchment. His tired eyes flicker with curiosity. He withdraws his hand from the drawer, holding not parchment, but a sheathed dagger. Urkel looks down at the dagger curiously. How many years has this been here? He unsheaths the dagger to find a polished and oiled steel that can only be found on weapons never used. On the blade is engraved to Urkel Thaddeus Ufnad. Urkel is transported to the age of four again. His father, a large half-orc warrior, hands him the dagger wrapped in a bow. Urkel smiles and pulls the dagger out and swings it around. His father grins and begins to show Urkel how to wield it. After a few minutes of practice, Urkel grows tired of the dagger and walks over to a small journal engraved Urkel Thaddeus Short. He begins to flip through the pages and begins to draw. His father's expression shifts from pride to disappointment. His mother, a beautiful chelish woman, rests her hand on his father's back. She embraces him with a smile as they watch their son playing with his journal. Urkel is now 53 again, a tear in his eye as he looks down at the long forgotten gift. He wipes the tear away and begins to sheath the dagger before he notices something. He flips the dagger over and sees another inscription. It reads, Answer the Call. Urkel looks down at this engraving, never before noticing it. He stares at it for a few moments, thinking. He sheaths the dagger and places it on the desk. He quickly pulls out a piece of parchment, wets his quill, and begins writing. Within minutes, he has another lengthy letter. He finishes, and so I regret to inform you that I will be stepping down as financial overseer of the Eladair Bank. Sincerely, Master Urkel Thaddeus Short. A twinkle appears in Urkel's eyes as we shift back to the wizard's grace, and he folds a new letter into an envelope. He melts some wax over the envelope and presses his signet ring onto it. As Urkel collects his things and wraps up his personal business, a woman passes by Urkel, making her way towards the fireplace. An elf woman takes her place in a seat near the hearth of the wizard's grace. She appears very out of place at the tavern. She wears garments made of furs and hides, and beside her rests a large greatsword against her chair. Her dark black hair 
is in braids and rests on her almond-covered shoulders. A large scar from an old burn covers most of the left side of her face. She pays no attention to the looks she receives from the villagers. She just stares at the roaring fire and the tavern's hearth. But the flames look familiar. The flames begin to creep out of the hearth and begin to envelop the tavern. The woman is now a young girl trapped in a flaming hut and her father lies under a pile of flaming debris. Larry, find Ikiri. Run. Her father chokes out these last words before he succumbs to the flames. Kaleri stands in horror as her father burns. The most horrible roar shakes her from her shock. She turns and sees an opening in the corner of the hut. She quickly runs over and tries to squeeze through. As she does, she feels the skin on her hands burning away as she digs her way through the hut wall. She falls to the ground outside the hut to see the entire village on fire. Dead friends and family lie scattered with weapons in hand. She struggles to find the will to move, looking out over what remains of her clan. But then, another roar from above shakes her. She quickly jumps to her feet and begins to run through the carnage. She yells for her brother. She screams his name until no sound will come from her mouth. She makes her way through the flaming huts, tears flowing down her cheeks not knowing if they are from sorrow or from the black smoke that engulfs her. A giant thud shakes the earth ahead of her. She loses her footing and falls to the ground. An enormous shadow moves behind the smoke in front of her. Whatever courage she had mustered was now gone. She sits inhumanly still as the shadow shifts from smoke to scales, and in front of her, the massive head of a red dragon emerges from the smoke to gaze down at her. What's this? A straggler? You creatures are a plague among this plain, merely made to be fodder for superior creatures. The dragon looks around the flames. Was this your family? Your mother? Your brother? Good. The deeper the wound, the longer it will last. The dragon begins to move closer to Clare. It opens its maw to reveal the flames licking the back of its throat, but then it closes its mouth. You know, I think I will let you live. You can spread the gospel of what you've seen and heard today. Tell them that Sayati, an elevated being, has come to liberate you poor, writhing creatures and bring about a new age of ashes. Tell as many as you can. Tell them they stand no chance.
sits. Calaria sits, still trapped by fear. The dragon smiles. He opens his maw once again. The flames quickly leap out of his mouth and at Calaria's face. As soon as the flames come, they are gone. Calaria cries in pain as the skin on her face begins to melt. There, a mark of good fortune. The dragon chuckles. Now all can hear and see the good news. Now go, run little one, tell the world of Sayadi. Kaleri, terrified, jumps to her feet and runs away clutching her face. Siadi's laugh booming behind her, following her as she flees. Kaleri can still hear his laugh as she stares at the fireplace at the wizard's grace. Her long-heeled scar begins to burn as she feels the heat of the coals. Whew. Gotta take a little break. So freaking good! Yeah. Oh, yeah. both oh, of those. I'm so like, oh, three we, of those. My goodness. It's good characters. Oh, man. Mine is so like, here I am writing a letter. And now, back to the reality, I'm writing a letter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. Check it out. Yes, it was. We're, we're writing letters. Man, my man own story got me, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Now we're ready for the last one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> While Kaleri meditates by the fire on her mission and motivation, our last stranger sits at the end of a bar, contemplating his own journey. An elf man sits alone, slowly caressing the wooden beads of a bracelet in his hands. As he slides his fingers along the beads, the scene begins to change, and he is walking down an empty, dilapidated city street. The elf approaches a bridge and finds a mass of civilians in front of a line of hell knights. The crowd hurls insults at the stoic guards as they stand motionless in their ebony plate mail. Let us through! We've got children, you've got to let us pass! Get out of our city and go back to hell! Through all of this, the hell knights don't budge. One of them steps forward. By order of the majesty, the queen of the crimson throne, Iliosa Aberasti, old Corvosa is hereby quarantined until the blood veil epidemic has been eradicated. Return to your homes. This is your final warning. Anger boils inside him, and he is not alone. The crowd of citizens begin to uproar. The screaming and shoving picks up, and soon the crowd begins to surge forward towards the bridge. The elf is caught by the momentum of the crowd and is pushed towards the Hell Knights. Soon, insults aren't the only thing being hurled at them. Rotten food, glass bottles, and rocks start sailing through the air and clash against black armor. The Hell Knights draw their blades and move in a disciplined line towards the advancing mob. The mob rushes forward, armed with nothing but fists and the odd club, but it is no match for Hell Knight Steel. The elf is jostled and tossed about in the wave of angry citizens. Row after row of old Corvosians are cut down by the dark swords, and eventually he is thrust towards the wall of Hell Knights. He raises his hands in surrender, 
but is met with the hilt of a longsword to his temple, and his vision goes black. Not long after, we see the crowd has been dispersed, and the Hell Knights walk among the dead. A Hell Knight walks over to the elf's body. His chest rises with raspy breaths. The Hell Knight pats him down and turns out his pockets. He pulls out a few pieces of parchment, one of which is signed, Aaron. The Hell Knight throws these aside. He picks up Aaron's hand and examines the bracelet. He drops his hand, uninterested, and goes to stand up. Before he turns away, he spies a glowing light coming from under Aaron's tunic. He pulls out a makeshift necklace, yanks it away from Aaron's neck. He stares at the glowing black crystal inside his hand, and then slides it into his pocket and continues on his way. Aaron awakes lying in an alley next to a pile of corrupted bodies. He jolts up and begins looking all over his arms and hands. No boils. His hands grasp at his neck and finds the crystal missing. He looks all around him, turning over bodies very carefully. This can't be happening. He bolts out of the alley and begins to make his way back to the bridge. Everyone is gone, and the bridge has been collapsed. And then it sets in. The crystal is gone. He looks out over the waters, past the city of Corvosa, to a cliff along the coast. It is there he sees a far-off, dark speck that he knows is Citadel Vraid, home of the Hell Knights, Order of the Nail. Aaron sits at the bar and holds the last remaining evidence of his past life in his hand. And pause. There's some some fat Meaty. motivation. Yeah, Meaty. like big motivation oh, in this bunch. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. You know where I'd be at, Bloodvale City. <laughs> oh, what an amazing callback. Yes. I love it all. Chance, you're doing a magnificent oh, job. Yes. I am literally yeah, like sucked in. creaming, waiting to score this entire like <laughs> uh-huh. all of these monologues. Like I am so ready to score these chance. You have no clue. Thanks. Okay. Ooh, are you guys ready to ready to actually play? Yeah, let's freaking play. Yeah, let's. I'm gonna do some squats. Okay. <laughs> a large thud on the bar shakes Aaron from his thoughts. He turns and sees a large woman behind the counter who has just slammed a big pot onto the bar. She has her hair pulled back into a bun and dons a stained apron and a large smile. Attention, beloved patrons of the Wizard's Grace. Today is the first of Arden, which you all know means it's time for another Call of Heroes. Now, I figure there's a pretty good chance we've got some visitors here in my tavern, and I think we better give them a friendly Breach Hill welcome. What do y'all think? And you just hear like a round of applause from all of the patrons within the tavern. And then she says, Now, if you're an adventurer here today to answer the call, you better get your ass up here. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And for the very first time, I'm going to say, what do you do? Oh, man. Oh, it feels oh, so, so nostalgic, and we haven't even. I don't even. I don't even know, <laughs> man. Oh goodness. 
Who's the closest to her? Is it who's at the bar? Am I at a table? Uh, yeah, so Aaron's at Aaron's at a bar. Uh, Frizzigig's in the corner. Uh, Urkel's at a table, and Kalaria's at the hearth. I I I perk up and I look around and I'm I'm I know I need to go, but I'm waiting for somebody else to go so that I feel <laughs> I feel like comfortable that I can go. So I'm just like peeking around. I'm like half up, but then I kind of go back down and I'm just waiting. <laughs> Urkel, Urkel notices the movement at the bar and um, kind of like fills his cheeks up with air and like purses his lips, you know, like holding, like kind of holding his breath, but then like giving it a pause. And then he stands up, uh, adjusts his coat. Um, good afternoon, all. <laughs> um, my name is Urkel. And I'm uh, here for the Call of Heroes. Uh, just, just visiting. Um, Hope you all are doing well, enjoying your drinks. I'm very happy to be here and you know, looking forward to potentially working with some of you in the future. And like sit down. There's like a yeah, well there's <laughs> there's a round of applause. Oh, wonderful. And before you can sit down, uh, the woman says, "No, no, no. Come up here." Oh, no. I go. <laughs> I I like I like go. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. Urkel, you set yourself down right here. Now, are there anyone else in this tavern? Uh, at this point, I, I pop up and I'm like, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. We'll come over here. Sit next to Mr. Urkel right here. What's your name, honey? Uh, it's um, it's Aaron. Aaron. Now, everyone yeah. say hi, Aaron. <laughs> Hello, Aaron. <laughs> and then everyone... <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> All right. Now, is there anyone else? I see a few unfamiliar faces. I won't call you out, but if you don't say nothing, I will. Galeria still broodingly looks at the fire, trying to ignore what's going on in here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Prisigik hops down from his table. He says, uh, "All right, might as well get this over with." Uh, and then he, uh, and then he. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he, and he um, makes his way over to. He bounces. You know, I think he, I think he he bounces when he walks a little bit. He's so tiny. Uh, yeah. And uh, bounces away over to the bar. And he climbs up on top uh, where the other two are kind of standing near. And he says, "My name is Frizzigig. I am a goblin. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. All right. Let's get let's get one thing straight. I'm here." I'm going to do whatever it is I need to get done, but I am not an adventurer. All right. It's not, that's not me. I can, I want to get, I want to make that very clear. I am not a part of one of these parties or one of these groups, whatever you want to call it. I am here for myself. I will get the job done and then I will go home. Everyone just cheers at that. <laughs> Urkel like, leans. Yeah! He's hardcore! Yeah! Urkel leans over to Aaron while everyone's cheering and is clapping. It's kind of like, is this, is this for adventurous? Is this the right place? I'm here for the adventure. <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think he's. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Thank you. Great to meet you. What are you two whispering it, it, about, eh? Uh, Hello. That's a nice bomb. <laughs> 
Yeah, does Frizzic just have don't a Don't touch now? it. Uh, I guess he does. Well, he's got, um, he has <laughs> Too his, drawn. his, the, he, he prepared a few, like, in the, because okay. if he prepares them in the morning, he gets more of them. Uh, got so it. he's got, yeah, he has a few bombs uh, in his bandolier. Oh, also, okay. I want to say this about Frizzigig. Frizzigig, uh, this is a very important fact about Frizzigig. Uh, that everyone might notice when he hop when he uh, hops up on top of the bar. Uh, in Pathfinder, uh, you can w two satchels holds as much weight as a backpack. So Frizzikig wears two satchels because he believes that satchels are better. So he has a satchel on either hip. <laughs> I noticed the satchels. <laughs> it's it's fashionable. Yes. Practical. The it's right them by your hands. They just work. They just work so much better. I don't know why anybody wears a backpack. Can't do really nothing like with a backpack satchels. while you're wearing it. <laughs> uh, the the woman behind the bar says, "All right. Well, I think we've got maybe one more. Uh, I'll let <laughs> you introduce yourself." <laughs> so, Clary is. Um, I mean, Calary sticks yeah, out. Yeah, she definitely sticks out. <laughs> She's, for, for um, the listeners, I mean, everybody who's uh, part of this podcast already knows, but Calary is from the northern part of the Moengi Expanse, which in Galarian, which is the world of Pathfinder, is the equivalent of, like, northern slash, like, western Africa. So she is, her skin is very dark, so she's an elf, but... Uh, she's very dark and she sticks out kind of like a sore thumb kind of the tavern we're in I mean the, there's some green people of course we have orcs and goblins but the the spread of ethnicities is more like maybe like a an England or an Ireland so everybody's pretty fair-skinned and Calaria is just not fair-skinned at all so she is staring at the fire she stands up and turns to the crowd those of you at the bar now see the right side of her face um, that is covered oh. in a kind of a massive scar. She has dark skin, so it's not necessarily a different tone, but you can tell like there is some sort of scar there. Some of the hair on her right, the right side of her scalp doesn't grow. Um, so it's kind of pulled back. And she turns to the lady who has spoken and says, If you're not gonna let me get away with just sitting here, I might as well introduce myself. My name is Calere. I'm not from around here. I'm from the northern part of the Moengi Expanse. My one goal here is to expel evil and to eradicate this world of the one true evil, the Red Dragon. Get in my way and I'll have a word with you. But, if it is also your goal to eradicate the evil in this world, then I will gladly stand beside you as an adventurer or whatever you want to be called. She glares at the green goblin sitting on the left side of the bar. <laughs> I don't have time for fun and games. Some of you may know where I come from, but some of you may not. My family is gone. My friends are gone. I travel alone. And I have no intention of making unnecessary friendships or relationships, but if you prove yourself useful, then maybe we can have some sort of professional relationship. And she sits down at the bar. When she, while she's walking Everyone. up to the bar, uh, I think Frizzigig, uh, after that, just leans over and whispers to Urkel, uh, Buddha stick up her butt, huh? <laughs> oh, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> 
uh, everyone everyone reacts very like slowly to Kaleri's speech, but then they're like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of badass. Yeah. My eyebrows are like, I haven't seen one of them in a while, and then just like uh, applauds. And then um, and then the woman behind the bar says, "Well, now that we're acquainted, we've got a little tradition around here at the Wizard's Grace. You see, no. my old Grant." My old Gramps used to be an adventurer like you. Oh boy! <laughs> don't say it. Don't you dare I'm, say I'm it. Fully, I'm fully. I'm fully engaged. I'm listening. What are you? What are you talking about? Uh, did your Did your grandfather but, perhaps take an arrow to his knee? Yeah. Oh, so you've heard <laughs> oh, the stories no. about him. Oh, I, he's very, very famous. <laughs> I'm glad the stories have reached the Mwangi oh, expanse. My God. Now. Now, but before every call of heroes, he would go off into the Crimson Tide Woods, and he'd kill himself a boar. Then he'd haul it back here and make a mean stew and eat the whole damn thing himself. And so, on the first of every month, we would like to have ever every hero eat some of his famous stew for good luck. What do y'all say to have some? And then everyone kind of in the tavern's like, yeah. Sounds delightful, of course. Do, like... Do we have to, or can we just get on with this whole thing? Everyone just says, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's oh, just looking right. around, clapping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she goes ahead and has four bowls, and she like kind of puts the whole pot of stew into four big bowls, and kind of puts them in, like next to you guys. And everyone in the tavern is just kind of like sit, like sipping on their drinks, watching you guys. Does, can I? Does it smell good? What does it smell like? What does it look like? Um, Urkel like smells it. Like hog stew. Um, hmm. You smell a lot of garlic. You don't. You don't. It's not a lot of. It, it's a very strong smell. You don't know what it really smells like though. I do um, love garlic. Kaleri, <laughs> I pick up my spoon. Kaleri goes ahead and just like starts eating. She doesn't come from a very civilized area. Not that Mwangi isn't civilized, but she's been roaming the country for like quite a bit of time, just finding work where she can. So anytime somebody offers her free food that's edible, she, I mean, just takes them on their offer and she'll just start eating. All right. Uh, well, and I think that I think that Aaron starts eating too because he starts feeling really uncomfortable that everyone is looking at him. And so he's, he looks down into his plate and just starts eating because he feels the pressure that he's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, does, do, do the, you two other guys start eating? Uh, Rizzy slips on his goggles and the goggles that he have, it's, they're like the, like the magnifying glass ones, you know, uh -huh. that let him like look in uh, almost like a jewelers or something. So he slips those on. He kind of sticks his head because he's standing up on the bar. Um, mm. to make him, you know, eye level with everyone else. So, and then he kind of like sticks his head in the pot and inspects uh, the stew for a second and then sighs and gets a bowl of it and goes and sits down, starts eating. Okay. Urkel? He points at one of the members of the tavern, just another one in the crown, and before taking a bite, says, oh, have you all tried this? And then he goes in for a spoonful and <laughs> puts it in his mouth. Making conversation. All right. Um, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and ask for the first die roll of the adventure. Oh, here we go! It. I knew it. I need I need everyone to roll uh -oh. a 
20-sided die, yes. also known as a d20. This is what I've been uh -oh. waiting for. And I need you to add your fortitude save. Yep, there I'm it is. My fortitude save is nothing. Holy, how about a six to there. start us off? Ooh, <laughs> uh, give me a six. Super solid six. That's what I like to see. Mm. Got a 13. Okay. Not much better. I got a hot 19. Oh, shoot. All right, one second, one second. I'm working, on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. Oh, Clara um, got like a seven. Jeez. <laughs> Perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, We're sitting next so, to each other. So Aaron and Frizzigig. Yes. What'd you get, Silas? 13? Yeah. Yeah. You guys are just chowing down and you're like, yeah, there's some lumps. Oh. Uh, oh. And this stuff is really not great. But you just kind of power through it and you get it about halfway down the bowl. But Calare and uh, Urkel, I don't know if it's the like high class stuff Urkel's used to, or like maybe it's a cultural difference. But after a couple spoonfuls, you guys are you're like you just feel feel like you're getting sick, Ugh. and you're like kind of gagging a little bit on this stew. Bro, uh, <clears throat> what do you, what do you guys do now? Um. Thank God I'm green already. <laughs> Galeria kind of like puts her spoon down to the bowl and just tries to compose herself and just like kind of stops eating. Now, now it's good luck if you finish the whole bowl, Miss Galeria. What has good luck done for me so far, huh? I'll eat this if I want to. If not, I'll just leave it. I'm here to be an adventurer, not some sort of hog eating whatever's put in front of me. Uh, um, uh, I, uh, excuse me, uh, I, I do want to step in here. What is in included in this soup? It, I, I smell the garlic. <laughs> is there some garlic in this? Nah, uh, it, it's got some boar. Okay, uh, what, what cuts of boar were nah, used um, in making this stew? Right, uh, I just, I just follow my old Gramps recipe, so. Really? What? Could I uh, see that recipe by chance? Is that something that uh, we all have here? In, uh, <laughs> the Wizard's Grace. Nah, nah, I don't have it on me. It's somewhere else. But but look, and she points behind her, and you see there's a whole, like, um, like a large wall. Like, you know when you go to, like, a weird diner, and there's, like, mm. pictures of, like, Dolly Parton and, like, Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> there's, like, a whole Seinfeld episode on this. But where there's, like, pictures of them on the diner wall. Sure. She's like... Now look at all these heroes that have finished their bowl of stew. Wouldn't that be fun if you made yourselves on this wall of fame? Um, just a side question <laughs> here. How many of those heroes are still alive after eating their bowl of soup? Mm. <laughs> I, I reckon most of them. Eat up, honey, and she kind of pushes the bowl towards you. Delightful. <laughs> I just continue to eat. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, all of those who are continuing to eat, I need another uh, another fortitude save. Yeah, Kaleri stopped eating after that. Wait, so even the people who <laughs> saved the first one? Yes, yes. If you're continuing to finishing, if you've made the save, you made it halfway down the bowl. If you didn't and you're continuing to eat, I need another constitute or fortitude. Yeah, I guess, I guess he wouldn't have any reason to stop. Okay. I um I rolled a two, so five. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> oh no. Ooh, okay, that one's better. Nineteen. Okay. I got a I got a ten. Okay. Um. Okay. Uh. 
let's see, good to bad. Uh, Frizzigig, you automatically feel like you're like, it's like, you know, when you eat those, like something spicy, it doesn't hit auto automatically. It's like you down the soup and then all of a sudden you feel your mouth starting to get real spicy. But hmm. then, <laughs> but then you kind of stave it off. Uh, Aaron, on the other hand, you finish your whole bowl of stew and then immediately your mouth begins to be on fire. Oh. <laughs> and you're just looking around for like water. Uh, but your mouth is on fire. Uh, Urkel, on the other hand, um, you take another couple spoonfuls and you lose your lunch into the bowl of soup. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. I like try to be graceful uh, about it, but I'm sure it's not very graceful. I think, uh, I, am I sitting next to Urkel? Yeah. I kind of pat him on the back and whisper in his ear and say, Hey, hey, you don't have to eat like you can't. Just, just hold on, okay? Uh, I'm like shaking. Now, I got the shakes. <laughs> I need one more fortitude save from Aaron and Frizzigig. Goodness. Okay. I think it's a texture Ooh. thing. Come on. <laughs> Ooh, another good one. Okay. okay. I got a 15. Okay. I got a 16. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Aaron, uh, you kind of just stomach. You feel like now that it's fully setting in your stomach, you finally just let it sit and you're fine. <laughs> and you're, you finally made it past <sighs> the stew. And then Frizzigig, <sighs> you also feel like Oh, it's just your stomach is just turning, but you're fine. You're not going to lose your lunch. And at this, everyone in the tavern busts out laughing and begins applauding all of you. <laughs> and the Still woman behind shaking. the bar says, now, Gramps may have been a great adventurer, but he was the worst damn cook in all of Breach Hill. <laughs> now, he'd always finish with the three fingers of wit outlaw whiskey. Now, I'd say these these here fellas earned themselves a drink. What do you guys think? And then everyone kind of claps. And then uh, the woman behind the bar pours you guys three drinks, uh, or sorry, four drinks of outlaw whiskey. Uh, and everyone kind of claps and goes back to their drinks. What do you do? I down the sucker. <laughs> just immediately just shoot that boy back. Um, mm. And at this, uh, the one by the bar goes ahead and she writes uh, Aaron and Frizzigig up on the wall of fame for making it through the uh, boar stew. Uh, do I get like half credit? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, first, I think he wants to say just to the, the rest of the party, he's like, what, what, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> uh, it was hot. That's how I yeah. readily choose to spicy. consume uh, <laughs> things that are actually harmful to my body. <laughs> I had some spoiled milk on the way here, I believe, this morning, and that mixed <laughs> with the spicy, mixed with the lumps in this soup, it just... Good job, though. I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all gonna get I'm along just fine, aren't we? All right, I'm gonna go over here. And Frizzigig hops down, and uh, he goes <laughs> over to the wall of names and begins pouring over the names, looking for a name. A name? Mm -hmm. A dot name. A specific name. <laughs> uh, that. Gg dot name. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. Hmm. I'll say this. There's also like dates by the names. I'll say this. So like mm-hmm. the date that you guys like came in. Um, there is no goblin that has recently gotcha. survived the bowl of stew. <laughs> cool. Um, I'm so Kaleri at the sight of seeing um, the goblin kind of pull away from the group and walk over to the wall. She also walks over to the wall and kind of like looks up and down the names and is looking very specifically for Sayadi. Um, not expecting to see anything, but anytime she sees a list of names, she looks to yeah. see to, to see if she can find the name of, of that name specifically. Um, I'm yeah. assuming he's not there, but that's just something uh, that she does. No, there, there are actually no uh, ancient red dragon names. Yeah, I would assume so, <laughs> but you know, just mentally, she sees a list of names. I wasn't gonna she, she's going to look and see, yeah. you know, yeah. like... <laughs> Fucking, I don't know, some tort <laughs> something, you know. <laughs> anyway, she has PTSD. Moving on. She, uh, uh, what do you looking call for? Call for a good time. She say <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, she turns. What to, are you looking for? She turns to the goblin, and I guess he says, What are you looking for? And she kind of says, mm. Just shadows and ghosts of my past that I've been chasing for a while. What about you? Well, I mean, nothing, uh, nothing that, uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying really hard to be nice. I think that's moody and dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Clary just turns and walks the other way. She just doesn't have, she just doesn't want to deal with this. She thought she could find somebody who was on the same wavelength. (laughs) Obviously, this goblin is just horrendous. So she leaves. (laughs) And she goes back to the bar. And she just sits down and drinks her whiskey, and that's all that she does. Okay. Dabbing his uh, the corners of his mouth, uh, wiping some water away from his eyes, looks up at the <laughs> nice lady behind the counter and says, "How long have you been holding this tradition at this establishment?" I've I've been working here and here my whole life, ever since I inherited it from my gramps. And and so the tradition's been going on for that long. Yes, sir, Mr. Yeah. Urkel. My gramps became a, a very a very uh, prevalent adventurer, one of the first to come by Breach Hill and answer the call. And then when he retired from the adventure in life, he opened up here the Wizard's Grace Tavern. And ever since we've been we've been serving adventurers of all kinds. I bet you see a lot of interesting people come through here. Oh, yeah, but I don't want to talk too badly about anybody that's real foul. Honestly, most of the heroes that come by are pretty pleasant folks. That's wonderful. What would you say the ratio is of people that can actually stomach this uh, delicious soup you made here is? Well, as you can see, if you look again, if you take a gander over at the Wall of Fame, hmm. Maybe only 30 heroes have ever actually lasted my own grandpappy stew. Well, I don't feel so bad then. No, don't feel bad, Mr. Urkel. It's a horrendous stew. I didn't last two seconds when I tried it myself. Well, that's good. It makes me feel quite a bit better, but I do think it really was the milk. I think you get me on a better day, uh, and I will be able to hold out a little bit longer. But Darren, you seem to stomach that just fine. Huh? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, pardon me. 
Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Mr. Aaron and uh, Mr. Frizzy, what, what, whatever it was. Uh, it, My name your is name's Frizzy. real. S- he calls over from the, <laughs> yeah. from the corner. That was perfect. <laughs> it's a it's a real silly name. I like your name. I don't get too many goblins here, but but you two can have one free drink on the house every day, and you get one free stay per week here at the Wizard's Whoa. Grace. I don't think I can drink that much, but <laughs> thanks. One drink a day. Uh, I don't think uh, I can bounces drink on that back much. over, and he says. Uh, so, like, what What am I supposed to do the other six nights? Mm, well, most people just pay for when they stay here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called a discount. Most people like it. We'll, uh, oh you know what? We'll work on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she goes back and starts <laughs> serving people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, okay. You gentlemen know you guys, where this is supposed to start. <laughs> what do you guys want to do? Or do you guys kind of talk, or what? What? What are you guys doing while you're here at the? Claire is done talking. The one person okay. she thought she could connect with was ended up being like the bottom of a grease pan. So she's just gonna Ooh. drink. She's gonna sip on her whiskey. Somebody wants to talk to her. She's down, but she's not reaching out to anybody else. So I just want to say every single I think. You know, campaign or even like smaller than that down to one shot more kind of stuff that me and Ronnie have been in together as far as I can remember our characters have never gotten along no never. not they, not they, they never once. they never will either it, it just it, just, it, just it never happen. happens I tried to bridge oh. that gap this time Silas decided he didn't want it to happen so <laughs> the character you that just, I made just can't handle that <laughs> you just you just threw the ball up and he just Squatted. did not spike it. No, he did not. I gave him <laughs> He the just let it fall. That's on him this time, man. Last time was probably my fault, but this time it's definitely his. <laughs> hey, there might be hope for them yet. Yeah, we'll <laughs> uh, does, does any of the other guys, do you guys, I mean, mm. you, you don't necessarily have to role play this, but are you guys just hanging out? Like, what do you want to do while you're sitting here resting? I think Aaron's chatting with Urkel, right? That's what just started. Yeah. So I think that we're just chatting. Absolutely. And he's kind of has like a handkerchief or something and he keeps kind of like patting away his eye and then turning the handkerchief so he doesn't pat himself with what he just wiped his, <laughs> you know, face with. And After like four turnovers just, of the, the kerchief, I like reach into my pocket and pull out another one and say, hey, I use this one instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thank you of so course. much. <laughs> I think at this point, um, Kalide is very, like, intent on listening to what's going on around the tavern. I don't think she's, like, looking to interact with anybody, but she's just trying okay. to, like, listen into what people are talking about. Especially, like, the people, like, the other two or three at the bar who are also self-identified adventurers, so. Gotcha. Uh, Frizzy Geek wants to, wants to corner, um, what was her name again? The barkeep? Uh, no one asked. Oh, um, oh, that's an interesting. Young lady. To, okay, well, so uh, this no he's gonna want you know as she's like <laughs> serving people, DM. <laughs> uh, and uh, once she once he can pull her to the side, uh, he has a yeah. few questions he wants to ask her. Okay. Ah, uh, uh, Mr. Frizzy, what's up? Uh, Frizzy gig. Uh, and I I, uh-huh. never, I didn't catch your name. Oh, it's Trinell Trinell Uskwald. All right, Trinil, Thanks for uh, asking. 
Uh, um, oh, also, uh, by the way, Kaleri yeah, no is going to roll a perception check to see if she can hear all of this conversation. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, this is the second roll of the podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, just wanted to make that known. Okay. Uh, that's a 21. Thank you very much. Okay. Alright. You, prob- you probably hear it unless the prison gig is trying to be real secretive. Uh, I don't think he's trying to be. I don't think he's worried okay. about, about her. At okay. Least. Okay. Uh, he uh, he asked me. He said, "So, uh, adventurers in in the area do do they always come through here?" Well, now there's there's quite a bit of taverns here in Breach Hill, but I, I think we're probably the fan favorite of most adventurer groups. I'd like to think. All right, and uh, how how long does a group stay in the area normally? Like, how long is it before they move Hmm. Well, they like to do a lot of odd jobs, but they, they stay for about maybe a year or so. But, but really, they see this place as kind of a stepping stone. Either heroes get, get all big, big for their britches and they go on to bigger, bigger and better quests, or they like to stay here and retire and, and live a simple life. Helping out simple townsfolk. It really depends on the kind of heroes. Right, one year. All right, I might, uh, I might have some questions for you later, but uh, I'm, I'm good for that. All right. Well, well, look at that, and you hear, and you hear kind of a ching, ching, and there's like a, like a little like, old kind of hand-me-down clock behind the bar, um, and. I think they have clocks in this time, this this era of technology. Uh, but there's a clock in it, and it chimes like a cuckoo clock, and it's like, "Well, I reckon it's it's twelve o'clock. The call of heroes is just now starting. You you best be off." Wait, where? Wait, what? Where are we going? What's up? What do I? What I'm am not I doing? Sure what you mean by the call? To the call of, of heroes. heroes. <laughs> yes. The 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 call. You guys don't. It's it's down that way. The way. call of heroes is it's right down the road at the Breach Hill yeah. Town Square. That's what you're did here y'all not for. Read the, That's what I'm here for. Did y'all not read the pamphlet? <laughs> there was a pamphlet. Yeah, it was at the welcome center. <laughs> well, what? Um. Okay. Uh, it's just we gotta go down here, guys. Come on. Yeah, y'all best get follow follow Aaron. He knows what's going on. I'll see y'all later. Wait, wait let me get my map. Let me get my map. <laughs> Ma'am, I want to thank you so much for your patronage. You've been an excellent barkeeper. What was your name again? It was Trenil Usqual, and thank you for asking. Miss Usqual, <laughs> thank you. Pleasure. Clary mumbles under her breath head. that um, if there's an ass that exists, this orc will probably kiss it. So um, she just like <laughs> oh, kind of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Files that away in her mental cavities. All right. All right. Uh, what do you guys do? Do you head out? I head out. We head I out. I think so. I right. hold. I hold the door for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Come on, come on. Uh, and and with that, the four strangers that have entered Breach Hill make their way towards the town square to answer the call of heroes. And with that, we will end today's story for now. <gasps> <Ooh. Ooh. laughs>